Welcome everybody to School Psych Podcast. I'm Rachel. I'm a school psychologist working in the state of Maryland. And uh, tonight we're going to be talking with our guests about social and emotional learning. So very excited. Um, typically I would pass it over to my friend Rebecca, um, but we're having a little bit of technical difficulty, so we can't um, hear her. So <laughs> She's muted. She's just going to be here um, to kind of support us and, and watch our social media feeds. Um, but typically she would be the one that tells us a little bit about how to participate tonight. Um, there's a couple different ways. One, you can post on the Facebook page and she'll be keeping an eye out on that. Um, you can talk to us through Twitter with the hashtag psyched podcast. Um, and you can also talk to us right on Google Live there. There should be a chat box um, right next to the video feed that should be pretty easy to um, just post your questions and comments and everything there. So we definitely um, look forward to hearing from you. So I'm going to pass it over to Anna. Hi, I'm Anna. I'm a school psych working in New York State. Um, we did a little poll on Facebook to get some feedback from our our viewers and our school psychs out there across the nation on how they're involved in social emotional learning. And the results totally surprised me. I kind of expected that most of us would be a little too busy to um, be directly involved in it. Um, but about four people or four, four um, areas were voted higher than people who were not involved. So some of us don't have time to be involved or not, a direct, or not directly involved in social emotional learning, but the vast majority of respondents are directly involved in social emotional learning, which is so great. Um, we had 46 votes for people that create SEL content in social stories, books, lesson plans, or activities. 45 votes for people who work with small groups or at tier two to create um, and progress towards social emotional learning goals. 40 votes for people who often engage in professional development opportunities for social emotional learning theory and practice, and 30 votes for people who use theories and empirical evidence for SEL research to create counseling goals. Then we had 28 votes for people who were not involved um, in their building, which I can understand, you know, there's a lot going on in our roles, right? Um, we also have some people who are involved um, in leadership roles with social emotional learning in their building and working with teachers and all these other things. So um, it's a, a big area for school psych, so it's a great topic for us um, to talk about. And I want to welcome our special guest, Kyle Carlin. Um, Kyle is a school psychologist in the West Central Kansas Special Education Cooperative in Hayes, Kansas. He's also the author of the book Bug and Boo, a book that helps teach kids about social emotional skills. He has experience working with Head Start classrooms, supporting social emotional development, and he has presented to children, parents, teachers, and administrators about social emotional learning. Kyle graduated from Fort Hayes State University in 2011 with an EDS degree in school psych. He serves on the executive board of the Kansas Association of School Psychologists and is a past president and serves on multiple committees and works on groups related to social emotional development of children. He also spent eight years in the U.S. Army Reserves, where he achieved the rank of sergeant and was deployed to Southwest Asia once, spending time in Kuwait, Iraq, and Qatar. He is married and has two children, Lauren and Evan. So, Kyle, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Thank you for having me. This is great. We really appreciate it. So, um, how can we define social-emotional learning um, from your perspective and based on your experience? Um, social-emotional learning is essentially how we go about learning things like empathy and developing our attitudes um, helps us understand what our emotions are and how to control them, um, how to um, interact with other people, how to read other people um, in their emotions and, and in our interactions, and then how to develop those relationships around them. Um, and then it's also 
uh, takes into account our responsible decision making. So, how are we? How do our actions affect others, and how do our actions affect um, our progress towards our goals or towards um, other things we're trying to achieve? So, how did you get interested in this topic? Um, I, I got interested in this topic because um, when I was working in my previous employer, um, in addition to the special ed role that I had, I also um, had responsibilities in one of our local Head Start um, classrooms that they had an AM and a PM classroom and I was responsible for going in and providing social emotional lessons but then also um, kind of being kind of a consultant with the staff to help them because the lessons are one thing but then it's a matter of you know integrating it into the day and providing that feedback and modeling and so I was there to kind of help support that kind of tier one level that you know that this is what everybody's getting but I was also there for those kids that were maybe having needing a little bit extra support with that um, things like um, you know, when you're when you have three, four, and five year olds, you have um, a lot of kids that you know at that age they're still learning that they're still very much in development of those skills, and um, some kids need a little bit more more modeling or a little bit more um, practice than others. So, so I kind of help staff figure out how to give those kids those practice, that practice. And in um, school age, uh, what is your experience, or you know, about? Um, in school age, what do you, what um, do you My main experience is, is kind of tied around PBIS, which PBIS is mostly the behavior. And I do separate the, the behavior side of things and the social side of things. I always mm -hmm. think of behavior as kind of like, if you think about it from a math perspective, like your math facts, those are very kind of a rote, rote process. It's a, it's a very two plus two is, is four. And, and if you present it, it's always going to be presented in a very similar way. And if the child's able to get an answer, then then that shows good competency of that skill, and I think so. I think that is like our behavior in PBIS. Whereas I think of our the, the social emotional skills as more of like your your um, your uh, math problem solving or your your number sense type things. The mm -hmm. the things that more of that internal of does this really make sense? Do, do I really understand what I'm doing with the behavior? You know, you can teach a kid that when they are at rug that they're supposed to sit. But if they understand why, they're going to be more likely to, to generalize that into other settings. And so, I, um, um, so most of, most of my experience in the schools has been, um, in, in, with school age kids, has been tied around like the PBIS concept, where mm -hmm. I, while giving teachers feedback on how to um, integrate that more and make it more of a, of, of you know, helping that, them tie the behavior to the reason why the behavior should be there. So. If that makes sense. So, it does. Rachel, we can't hear you. Oh, <laughs> sorry. So I'm just going to keep talking. Okay. <laughs> um, so, um, as far as social emotional learning um, evaluation, mm -hmm. do you think there's an evaluation component before you start this, or do you think it's more of like a global PBIS? Let's implement it to the whole school or whatever. Um, well, just as with any any um whether it's social behavior or academics i feel like there is definitely a tier one component but without a screening component i think you're going to have a hard time figuring out who needs what and um because you're going to get the you're going to end up with a lot of the kids that have externalizing behaviors being identified whereas you've got a lot of internalizers that need some support with their social emotional skills as well as well if they're drawing drawing back if they're not participating in in recess if 
they're less engaged in school, they still have a need that needs to be addressed. And without screening tools that look into both the external and the internal factors, I think you risk missing them. Um, and, but certainly, anything that we do in schools, we need to have an evaluation component to it to make sure it's it's worth our, you know, the, the, the time we're putting towards it is working. Um, I don't know about you, but I have pretty limited time in my schools, um, and I'm pretty, um, pretty busy, as I think most of us are. I think for everything, if we don't have some something telling us that hey, what we're doing is working, um, then we risk wasting, for lack of a better word, wasting time towards an effort that isn't really working. Um, so definitely an evaluation. When I was in the Head Start program, working with the Head Start, they did um, um, the ASQSE, um, the all, um, oh, I can't remember what it stands for now, but um, ages and stages questionnaire, social and emotional, um, and they um, did it every quarter. They'd go te um, parent, teacher, parent, teacher, and then from that we had decision points on what kind of supports are we going to provide for these these kids? Um, and then um, I went in every once a week, and every time that I was in there, I would rate um, students all all the students in there on five behaviors, such as or five broad abilities, things like following directions, um, getting along with others, um, um, interacting appropriately with with children, interacting appropriately with adults. Um, some of those basic things that we were really trying to target. Um, and so um, those kind of things were, you know, we had to have that evaluation component to show that it was that it was being effective. In the schools, it's a little bit more difficult because of the, if your school doesn't have a social screener, then it's hard to implement one on your own. Um, mm -hmm. But there are certainly tools out there that can be helpful. Um, even some, some of the um, tools that are often used at PBIS, um, like the um, SRSS has a, an internalizing and externalizing component to it. And so, uh, the newer one days. And so you can use some of that information to help identify um, and then use different progress monitoring tools that whether that's a rubric you create yourself or something that you can find online or, or through other means that um, can be helpful in showing you that hey this is working. Even with counseling, even if you just use something like uh, having the student rate how they're, they've been doing or how they feel they've been doing with certain skills you're working on, rating them on a 0 to 10 or or a line and then draw a slash on it, and, and that can be kind of a, a way to, um, to uh, um, operationalize it, to, to kind of give you that sense of, is this working, is it not? Um, again, it, whether you're working with individual kids or looking at it from a whole class, I think you need to have some, some way of measuring what you're trying to, to um, impact. Otherwise, it's hard to tell if it's working. So data and screening and um, implementing. So we got, I think. Oh, I just lost you. Oh, dear. <laughs> yeah, I have Rachel now. Okay, wait. Sorry. I think something happened on my end. Um, I, mean, I realized I didn't plug my computer in. I'm going to plug it in real quick. And unmute okay. yourself. Okay. Yeah, it's okay. I got hidden. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, that was my fault. No, no, yeah, thanks, Rach. <laughs> Excuse me. So, um, 
Oh no, all good. So I'm I'm kind of curious about like tier three because that's that's where I work and I work in in special education with kids who are getting um, a lot of services. I do like a weekly social skills kind of group in um, the classes that I work in, and also a lot of pull out services. So social emotional learning in tier three. Um, would you mind talking about that a little bit? Um, yeah, mostly. And what again? What ends up being in PBIS? tiered models is often, you know, what you're trying, you're trying to build that internalizing factor of the behavior. You're trying to make them see why the behavior matters. And so when you're with, oftentimes in tier two, you're doing, you know, maybe some small group things with two or three kids for maybe a month or a short time targeting those skills. And then in tier three, you probably have a behavior plan in place that's um, mm -hmm. targeting specific behaviors. And then your social skills that you're meeting with them on once a week probably relates to that. And so you're, you're trying to develop that, get that um, environment and the, the reinforcement schedule in a way that, that promotes that behavior in kind of a rote way, but then with your social emotional lessons, you're trying to target that more from the, the um, trying to get to where they can maybe understand the empathy of how their actions impact others, um, how um, that behavior, you know, trying to generalize that a little bit more. What it ends up looking like, in my, at least in my experiences, has mostly been just through individual counseling or, um, um, you know, we have a school social worker that's often who is the person who provides that counseling. I'm lucky mm -hmm. in my position to be able to do, provide it to two or three kids at any given time. Just I, I, my schedule doesn't allow me to do as much as I'd like. But mm -hmm. um, those kids who particularly are needing a strong male role model, oftentimes I get pulled in to, to work with them. Um, mm -hmm. And you know anything you're doing one-on-one -on -one with a student is probably you know you always get in that ha that hashing out is a tier one or is a tier two and every or tier three and everybody's kind of you know goes back and forth on what it is. In my mind, a one-on-one -on -one is tier three just because of the intensity of it. Um, and so, but with the social emotional skills, you can find different programs out there that help. Um, um, one of the things I started using. Um, that you had Stephen Shaw on, I think, a couple weeks ago. Um, and he was talking about his, or he had that nine, nine lesson um, social emotional, or social, excuse me, self-regulation um, lesson plans. And I've, I've taken those and I've started using them a little bit more, trying to be more deliberate in my actions with when I'm meeting with students, um, because making sure that what I'm doing is evident. Because I, I found that over time, I'll tend to drift into more of a kind of, where I'm kind of checking in with the kid and then it ends up being more of a conversation as opposed to really, you know, of course we'll be talking about the things that they're working on, their goals, but I often lose my own focus on it. And that's one thing where why you have to have the evaluation, you have to have a goal, even if it's gen ed, you need to have a goal of what am I trying to achieve? How do I know when I'm done with this? How do we know that the student's ready to not need this anymore? Um, because without it, you could do it forever. You could just meet with the kid every week or every two weeks and just keep checking in and, hey, how's everything going? Oh, everything's fine. Okay, great. Go back to class. But but it, mm -hmm. that's that's great for the relationship. That's great for them to be able to have a connection. But am I really doing anything from a social, emotional, or mental health need at that point? I mean, you know, in a, in a way that my time, you know, again, our time is very valuable. As school sites, we're very busy. I want to make sure that, was is there another student that I could be being more if this kid is only needing just somebody to stop and check in, I can still do that without it being this formal setting. I can, I can just put, stick my head in the door and say, hey, how's everything going? And, and 
you know, a one or two minute thing. Um, but, you know, if, if that time could be going to another student that maybe um, is needing more, needing something more deliberate, um, then they should be doing that. And again, the conversation or the conversation you had with um, Dr. Shaw, it really helped me to kind of refocus on, oh yeah, hey, I've been kind of drifting away with this one particular kid. I need to be a little bit more deliberate. So. so. It's nice to hear that. Um, sorry, Rachel, we can't hear you again. <laughs> it's, um, it's, it's great to hear that um, reviewing the podcast helps you kind of check in on yourself. I feel like it does that for us too. Um, um, do you know, uh, Rebecca typed in a comment about curriculum. We are all about the free content here on Psych Podcast. Um, is there any curriculum free or not that you've heard about? Um, the, one, the one I'm most familiar with is Second Steps. Rebecca just typed in the side. But, um, <laughs> yeah. That's the one that we used in our preschool. Um, mm -hmm. And I really liked how it was set up it, for um, classroom teachers and aides that, you know, they don't have the as much of the training in the background. And, and they're busy. They don't have time to go try and figure out how do I do all this. Like, mm -hmm. step, second Step, having it all kind of laid out. They have, at least for the preschool, it came out in one card per, per week, this big card that was about this yeah. big or so, and it had five different lessons on it. One you did the first day, second day, third day. And what I would do is I would come in, the first two years I was in the program, I would come in and do the main lesson, and then they would do the supplemental things, and which was great. But the third year, I mean, what really found to be even more effective was having them do the lesson, and then me come in and supplement later, because then, they took more ownership on it. They were able to, they, they, throughout the week, they were integrating it into their activities more. Um, mm -hmm. And so, again, second step I really like because it, it, it fit very well with the castle model of self, um, of self-regulation, um, excuse me, self-management, self-awareness, social awareness, relationship skills, and um, responsible decision making. And it was broken down into small segments. Um, there were songs, there were, um, puppets. I, I personally am not real, real comfortable doing puppets, but you know, I, you don't have to be good with the puppets. They still, the kids still <laughs> enjoy it and still like it. And you, you can, you know, that's the one thing I like about working with preschoolers is you can be as silly as you want and they won't say anything about it. They'll, they, they think that's just great. And, um, it allows you to, uh, you know, if I was doing it with eighth graders, I might be a little different, but, <laughs> but with mm -hmm. it was certainly nice. Um, but again, second step, I really like how it, it lined out for the, especially for that busy teacher that's wanting to know, okay, what can I do today in a, you know, with a script and with everything. And I actually kind of based some of that script, that scripting into um, bugging boo into a section in the back, which we'll talk about later. Um, but I, I've taken a lot of those pieces and realized, you know, for those people that are, are you know, at, um, at the ground floor with these kids of who, who's there every day with them, giving them the tools mm -hmm. in a way that they can use. It's not just a, Hey, here's some great, here's, here's a, a big idea. Here's some, it's, it's all about giving them specific things they can do that are actionable and that they know that they can be successful with because if they feel like they're going to be, they're going to mess it up or they feel like they're going to um, embarrass themselves, they're less likely to do it. So if we can give them the tools to help build that capacity, um, I think it's key, and the second step does that by, again, by outlining it so well. Um, I'm not familiar with any other um, box 
curriculums out there. Um, I do. I, there's some, of course, some around more of the PBIS type stuff, like um, um, Howie um, Howie Knopf from Arkansas. He has a stop and think program, which is more PBIS, but it, it kind of integrates some of that thought behind the behaviors. That one's not. Um, I, I went to a training where he talked about it. I haven't seen it in action, but so I'd be interested to see um, kind of if anybody's used that and what what kind of information they would have about it. Um, but really, right now in my, my own school, um, or my current schools, there, there really isn't, we don't have a social emotional curriculum that I'm aware of, and so um, the one thing, I, the only one I'm aware of is, or the, the only one I'm familiar with is second steps. All right, can you, do I have audio? Am I good? Okay. I did want to backtrack a little bit. Um, I had a thought just when you're talking about, you know, having a goal when you're meeting with students. Um, I, I do see a couple kids for counseling, and I do find myself in that kind of trap where, um, you know, things have been hectic, and maybe I haven't planned out a specific lesson, and then it's just like, okay, come on into my office, and how, you know, how are how are things going? And I don't have a plan. And I, yeah, I think it's good to, like you said, to touch base and have that connection. But I, at the end of that, I always feel like, oh, you know, like I didn't do it the, it, the service that it, it needed to be done. So, totally understand. <laughs> and I, 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 I hearing you talk about. Did make me think. Um, there's a book, self regulation. Um, self regulation. Um, it's by, by Brad Chapin, C H A P I N. Um, he was, went to grad school where I went to grad school a few years before me, and he came back and talked about this program, and he ended up writing a book with all these broken down lessons. I actually ended up using some of that to develop um, my own little like. Uh, nine or ten week curriculum as part of our P, um, our PBIS efforts in one of my schools um, where I, I pulled some of those lessons, things like um, helping kids understand the behavior or the feelings that they, or the ways that their body changes when they get upset, um, giving them ways to calm down, giving them ways to develop that empathy. Um, I can't remember the name of this book real quick. Let me see. Um, but that one, I've taken a lot of my lessons that I end up doing, especially up things that have that kid that just drops in. I'll kind of um, take some time and do one of those um, one of those lessons that I'm more familiar with that maybe seems to fit with what that kid is needing at that point. So um. very cool. I think we might have Rebecca having Can you hear me? Yay! Yes. That was killing me. Can I just tell you? <laughs> I'm so sorry. I missed so much of what you were saying now, but I was just dying to talk. So this is better. <laughs> so I can I can also see um, your comments, audience out there. So um, I'm hoping you guys have the video open and you can uh, check for comments along the YouTube video. But um, I, if I can jump in, I think you were just talking about Kyle, uh, different curricula that you have used in different ways. And I know you were talking about second steps. Um, I'm wondering, are you in charge in your building? Are you one of the people like some of us in the poll that is responsible for helping teachers or your school decide on um, where the lesson, social emotional learning lesson plans come from different from different sources in different rooms or um, in my current role, I am not. Um, oh. 
it, it, where I was before when I was working with the Head Start, I did help. Well, I didn't really pick the curriculum, but I did help kind of me and the teachers and the aides. We talked about how we felt like the curriculum needed to, how we felt like the curriculum was going and what we felt would maybe give it a boost. And that was where we kind of split flopped our roles where yeah. I came in and doing the, the supplements while they did the primary. Um, okay. And that, that helped. But really in a, in a decision-making capacity, I haven't had okay. that. I find that so interesting because it is such an opportunity, I think, for us um, as, as school psychologists to take leadership in our buildings. And I think that you, you um, by just choosing second steps and, and um, pushing it into classrooms, in some ways you, you are doing that as well. But I think that um, in terms of connecting to PBIS and looking for um, programs that will benefit uh, other class grades and teachers and um assemblies and things, we have such an opportunity as school psychologists to um, look at research and, and determine what fits uh, our needs or our uh, learning objectives. And um, to that end, I want to say I, I, I posted a couple of, or at least one, I'm going to try to post the other, resources for looking at different evidence-based social-emotional learning curriculums through CASEL. They have a great um, uh, library of um, uh, curricula that they explore and also edutopia i posted those links on the school psych podcast page on facebook <laughs> and um cephal which is kind of like a sister to castle uh, or a, uh -huh. it's um i guess it's not really a sister it's a one of the um focus on her, um social emotional development in the er in early childhood but a lot of the, the materials on there They've got some some really good social stories. Um, there's Tucker the Turtle teaching kids how to a, a way to calm down. We're tucking your sh your shoulders in, taking a couple breaths. Oh yeah. yeah. The turtle. Oh yeah. So, um, but they, they've got a lot of things for parents, for teachers, um, that you can share. Um, some some prepackaged modules that you can, as the the teacher can can provide um, as training to parents um, to help develop these things. And a lot of it, while it's targeted at that, you know, that preschool age, a lot of it would still make a lot of sense and, and be relevant for kindergarten through about second grade, I would think. Um, That's yeah. awesome. And so, um, what, what is that? I'm going to try to post that in comments as well. Can you say the that? The cephal.vanderbilt.edu, I believe. Oh, yes. Okay. As, um, yes. C-S-E-F-E-L. Yeah. That's a great one that people should check out. Lots of free resources on there too, if yeah. I'm remembering correctly. Yeah, yeah, everything. I wanted to ask you. Sorry. You and I briefly spoke in comments about um, state standards, um, yeah. learning objectives and standards. I know the state of Illinois um, has been really generous about publishing those. And you mentioned your state has, you, you've been involved in creating some of those standards as well in your state. Um, are your are yours published also? Are they are they available for um, other people to check yes, out? Yes, actually, um, the if, if you search um, KSDE Kansas Dep State Department of Education and um, the SECD standards, it has a, a ton of information there on on the standards. Um, they've got some sample um, outcome measure um, rubrics that you can use. Um, the person who, or one of the people that was on the board that kind of helped for the group to start to help develop them is here in, in the same town I am. 
and I've been able to get some information from her where they made some different rubrics and stuff to be used. And, um, I actually shared those with my school social worker for her to use with some of her her goals and things going forward um, because she was trying to find ways to you know measure what she was working on and there's just not a lot of great tools out there that that are cost effective and so she was able to find something that worked one gave her a baseline by having teachers rate them on these particular skills that she was wanting to work on um, and then um, being able to do that every nine weeks and say hey if the student is making progress or not and in in a way that is relevant and tied to something more than just hey it got better but really is this where he should be or where she should be so but yeah King, so helpful yes King's, um, one of only three the, yeah I, I i find that so helpful because i've used the state of illinois standards and learning objectives in working with teachers in my building and it's just it's so helpful to know you know what what social emotional learning objective you have to pick out a lesson plan for it and then determine assess in your own way in your own classroom um, or lesson or activity if you've met that goal so it's such a great way to um, to structure if you're just getting started or if you're not sure where you want to go um, what kinds of um, lessons or goals that you should have to just look at those standards because at least the, the state of the ones from the state of Illinois go um, kindergarten, I believe through 12th grade. So at every level, there's a there's a, a large standard and underneath it are several discrete learning objectives. It's really super helpful. If and if some of you haven't checked it out, I recommend checking it out. That's very much like um, Kansas, is, I think was, they did theirs just after Illinois, I believe. And I think it was large. And there's a lot of similarities between them. And they all seem to kind of um, tie off of the castle standard. Um, yeah. In Kansas, in particular, they put the the self ones together and the the social ones together. So, self awareness and self um, regulate or self management are put together into one broad category, and then there's you know it's broken down across into smaller standards. Um, and then same with the social awareness and the relationship skills, they were put together into a social um, piece. So. Really cool. And they call the. Um, the responsible decision making, they call it character, which, of course, you know, it, it works. Right. Really interesting. I, I, um, I happen to be able to teach um, a character education class to sixth grade. So once a week, I go in and I follow the castle um, structure of self awareness, self management, um, intra and interpersonal skills. But under each major heading, I have little discrete lessons appropriate for sixth grade. And so we do um, we do a lot of really fun stuff. We talked about grit and Angela Duckworth's uh, research in grit this year. And, you know, under both self-awareness and self-management. Um, so, I, I, you know, I take a, t a character education sort of topic and I break it down along the castle um, guidelines. And then I, I do also, I use a curriculum called the 180 degrees curriculum and shout out to 180 degrees people out in California. <laughs> it's a nice, uh, nice little curriculum and it goes um, through the grades as well, K through 12, um, different, different uh, workbooks and based on Castle. It's, it's just really fun stuff. I'm so enthusiastic. I don't mean to now that I can speak. I don't mean to take over, but I can't help it. <laughs> I always like to hear that. I, mean, I took note about the 180 degrees curriculum. 
Yeah, and Dean, who is the, the I don't know, um, CEO of the, of the foundation, is so wonderful. So call him up and ask him questions. He's really helpful. He has different um, in-service programs in different states and different schools are, across the country are using it. And um, it's just, it's nice to have, it's a nice sort of small uh, company that um, takes care of its uh, teachers and, and school site. So I recommend it. Um, and sorry about that. I shouldn't be plugging things because <laughs> I have no, just full disclosure, I have no vested interest in 180 degrees, but I like the curriculum. Um, <laughs> and so I also wanted to ask you, and we all did about, I, I don't know if I missed it, but we were talking about Bug and Boo a little bit, I think. Um, can you yeah. tell us about that process? Because I bet many of us have great ideas for social stories or social emotional uh, learning stories that could be books, but it's hard to figure out where to start. If you have an idea for a book, how, where do you go from there? Do you just sketch it up and then who do you talk to? I, I know you had an interesting process. You um, started by self-publication, right? Um, kind of. It's like I'm actually through a, through a small publisher, a local publisher who works with veteran authors. Um, I was actually in the military with him. He wrote his own children's book, started his own publishing company. So but I'll, I'll take a step back just a little bit because that's a little ways into the story. But how yeah. um, I first, uh, of course, like you say, a lot of, all of us or many of us have thoughts of, oh, this would be a great idea that, that I'd want to write about or I'd like to go into the book, necessarily know where to start. And so um, I got, I'd been interested for a while um, and then I happened to go, go to this was back, um, I started the process of writing it, not last May, but the May before that. But before that even, I, um, you know, for two years after grad school, I was like, well, what do I want to do with my, the path or, or that I've chosen with this career? Of course, I love working with schools, but I always felt like there was something more I could be doing. Um, and got the idea, well, maybe write a book or those kind of things. And, it was an idea that kind of bounced around in my head that I never taken any concrete action on. And then I went to a, I got, got elected as the NAS president, or the, excuse me, the CAS president, um, and got to go to a NAS leadership um, um, training. And there I met somebody who had published her own children's book, and it got me really excited, um, Sarah Howe. Um, I was, we were there at supper, and we were just kind of talking a little bit about the process and everything. and I, got to thinking, you know, if she was able to do this, and then, you know, this is something that it's not as, I, I think I could do it too, and um, but then I was better, okay, so now I'm thinking more that this could be something real, and, but what do I write about, and I always, like, my kids, I always felt their nicknames are Bug and Boo, um, <laughs> from um, their infants, it's just what they are, my daughter is Boo, and from when she was really little, she'd stick her little boo lip out, and it just kind of always that stuff. And then <laughs> bug, it went from booger to bug to love bug, like just story, or puddle bug, hug bug, you know, just all those kind of things. So, but I thought that bug and boo sounded really nice. You know, it, it works good for character names. It, I thought that was kind of cute. Um, but I was even at that point, I was kind of like, you know, using my kids' nicknames is that kind of exploit exploitative, or is it? Just kind of things. Um, after talking with some people in my family, they felt like no, it'd be, <laughs> be appropriate to do so. And so after school got out in May um, 2015, 
I went and wrote, just sat down and wrote my first kind of draft of what is now Bug and Boo. And I was like, okay. Uh, over the summer, I worked on, on drafting it and looking at, I contacted Sarah Howe again to find out how did she go about publishing. Um, I contacted Seth Castle, who had just written, uh, somebody I'd been in the military with, who I had had just wrote, written his own children's book on um, teaching kids about PTSD for veterans who are coming back home to their kids who have, it's um, Why Is Dad So Mad? Um, and he ended up writing another one, Why Is Mom So Mad? for mothers in the military. Um, great books that I encourage anybody to get them. Um, but I contacted him and he said, in our conversation, he mentioned something about starting his own publishing company. And, you know, he'd be interested in working with, or he's wanting to work with veterans with a message. And um, so I kind of let that sit for a little little bit, a couple of weeks, ended up going back to him and saying, hey, if you're really interested, I'd, I'd really like to get this, uh, get this going, trying to figure out what to do. So um, he had used Kickstarter to fund his book. And so um, I went ahead and kind of followed his model, went through that process of, to be able to pay for the illustrations and, and the book design. Um, in the meantime, he connected me with his book designer who helped me take the thoughts that were up here and turn it into the pictures and everything, like a, an actual flow of a book and the design of a book. And the illustrator took my thoughts and put it into real, you know, made it um, made it real and um, the Kickstarter was successful we were able to fund it and get it get it off the ground and then the rest was kind of history but it was all a process that really wouldn't have started it or at least wouldn't have started when it did if it hadn't been for conversations at just the right times to help yeah. figure out what the next step would be so that's so cool. We love when psychs kind of get out of their offices, so to speak, and, and start to do you know, some of this really good work. Um, so we're excited. Can you tell us, um, maybe it was when I was kind of in and out of the hangout, um, but can you tell us kind of a synopsis or what, what specifically the book is, um, you know, who that's targeted for and, and what this kind of storyline is? Or? And, yeah, this is Bug and Boo. Um, it was targeted, it's written, on my end, it looks like it's backwards. Is it backwards on yours? No. Oh, okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> um, <coughs> oh, excuse me, I apologize. Um, the Bug and Boo, it's basically it's about a brother and sister who love each other very much, but they have a conflict. Um, in this case, Boo is drawing a picture, and Bug runs in and grabs a crown like little brothers do and just scribbles all over it. And then Boo becomes very upset, and yells and scares Boo or scares Bug and he, he runs to his room and then Bug or Boo realizes that you know she did something that she really didn't mean to and it hurt, hurt her brother's feelings and so she goes through um, belly breathing to calm down um, and then goes and, and fixes the situation with her brother um, and by happenstance if, if you break down the castle the five domains of castle each one is in the book it's just a matter of the target is um, helping kids calm down but you could use this book to um, really hit on any of the five domains just to, depending on what you want to focus on as you're reading it um, and so I'll try and get a decent shot here um, my illustrator was um, Carissa uh, Othon Gonzalez she didn't I feel she did an excellent job even in the details of the book 
it was only on like the second or third um, uh, concept drawing or the uh, version of the drawings so that I recognized that on the on, on the shirts of the characters, he made a personalized with a ghost for for blue and bugs on there for for, for bug things like that. Mm -hmm. um, so, so of course the introduction of the characters and the thing is the stuff in here is all true to my kids like it says who is a girl who knows what she likes she likes the color blue cheese pizza and learning at school those are all she enjoys her. and then then it, of course the introduction of of bug uh, then the process of going through um here where she gets upset scares mom and then, and I, I, inst I, I wanted it to be showing the, the child that you're reading it to that you can manage it yourself. And so instead of a parent coming and saving the day and guiding her through it, it was her remembering that her parents had talked about it and then um, self-initiating the belly breathing, which these are the, of course, the core. This was the main focus of the book was the, this, the concept of belly breathing and how to calm down. Um, and one thing, um, my kids get the um, Dolly Parton um, Imagination Library books, and in each book it has a things to do as you before you read the book, as you're reading, and after. And when I was working in Head Start, I recognized working with parents that there were a lot of parents that wanted to do things. They recognized that they they, they needed to do things at home with their children to help develop um, their social and emotional skills. But they don't often didn't know what to do, and so with that, I, I wanted to set out with this book. It was one to have a, this a cute story that helped engage the kids, but then I also wanted to put in um, lessons for the parents or the caregivers, whether it's a grandparent or a teacher, to with that same model of things to do before, during, and after you read the book to to promote those skills. And so um, the last two pages of the book are those skills and it's gonna be hard to read but kind of breaks it down of what to do before during and after and just gives us ideas of, and a script like I said I like the scripts from um, from second step and so I integrated scripts in that way here where if you have some if you want to use this just as a guide and say and you know um, freeform your own that's great if you don't know what to say and you still and you want to use the script that's fine too when you're working with little kids, they often don't care if you're reading a script because it's all about the interaction. It's all about sharing it. Um, and I feel like um, those lessons and, and getting the parents engaged with it or the caregivers engaged with it is just as important as the kids. Definitely. That's really awesome. And I hope that, you know, your story and how you came to all that um, inspires maybe some other school sites to similar things because I think we would all benefit from a lot more of these types of stories being available. It's really great. Okay. Where is the story for sale? Is it on Amazon? Where are you oh, selling it's, it? It's on Amazon. Um, you can just search Bug and Boo and you'll, you'll find it there. Um, I believe it's $9 there. Um, and so um, it's also it's available in ebook as well. At, like, it's $5 I think as an ebook. I should know this better, but it's, a, it's it's cheaper if you get it as an ebook. But um, um, I'd say nine dollars um, paperback. So but. very cool. 
Um, a viewer comment there. Uh, Eric says, what's great about this is so many of us start from scratch with SEL work. Sharing all of this keeps us from reinventing the wheel and finding research-based material. So. True. It's awesome. so true. I was just I was just trying to look up the um, Illinois standards um, to clip the link, uh, and I'm going to try to do that later. But for some reason, it's now when I click it, it says uh, this page is not available, but it used mm -hmm. to be available. <laughs> uh, so I will find out about that, and uh, if I can share it on the School Psych Podcast page. I definitely will. And I, I, Illinois is having some changes going through with some of their SEL um, regs because they recently passed something saying that schools have to provide screening now for it, for the social emotional learning. And I wonder if maybe they're updating their website with some of that information or, or if it's uh, just, but, but that wouldn't surprise me at all if that was. Yeah, it, it used to be, um, even a word document that you could download and then edit which is oh. which is really wonderful but I, I didn't see it when I in my Google search just now but um, yeah okay, any final questions we're gonna do kind of a final call for questions I think before we start to wrap things up but um, Really, really great and exciting stuff. And I know that Rebecca, I could just tell that you were just dying, you know, not being able to, because this is right on the rally. <laughs> yeah, this is. And I, I feel like I blurted out everything I wanted to say in the first 20 minutes. So I'm sorry about that, everyone. But um, I love the, the positive, sort of the positive education um, position of the, um, of social emotional learning, you know, like trying to uh, teach these lessons and to try to get in front of um, problems that may arise to try to help give kids tools to handle normal stress or, uh, you know, teach them about growth mindset so that they um, don't develop anxiety in the future over, um, you know, high stakes testing or anything like that. All of these social emotional lessons are so important for, for, our kiddos and I just think um, the more we can do of that the better. <laughs> I agree with you 100% Rachel or excuse me Rebecca. Um, <laughs> one thing that is I feel is so important you know, there's been a, a stronger push for school mental health and and yeah. um, a, a lot more information shared about trauma and its effects on our on kids development particularly in their the cognitive and their social emotional development where we see delays in those areas more and more in communication as well. Um, and I think we're seeing things like trauma-informed care, trauma-informed practices in the schools and PBIS and those kind of things of really get, teaching teachers and staff to be more compassionate, show more empathy, yeah. um, to, and to model those things for the kids are, are key and I think are what will ultimately be able to um, you know, prevent a lot of those kids from getting into a crisis situation because Absolutely. they're in it they feel safe they feel uh, um, that they're going to a place that's predictable and and comfortable and we know that they're going to be able to um, or they, they when they feel that way then we don't see those other behaviors or those other things kind of bubble up to the surface um, mm -hmm. especially if we can catch it early on kids you know trauma just has such a, a large impact um, and if we're going to be trying to focus on school mental health, you know, we can always be, there's always going to be that need for the intervention and the reactive component, but we have to be proactive in preventing it. And, but, 
the way we prevent it is by teaching kids how to deal with stress and, and giving kids their coping skills when, from an early age, helping them understand how their behaviors impact others. And, and ultimately, um, you know, if we can do that, start developing that from preschool on, you know, we're going to have a lot better chance at, at reducing some of those needs. I mean, I don't know about in your areas, but in our area, in where I'm at, more and more of our kids are coming into kindergarten without the ability to regulate their behaviors and their emotions without being able to interact with their peers in a meaningful way or in, a, in an appropriate way. And it, and it affects things, you know, going going forward. Sure. One thing I hope with Bugging Boo is we can be able to give caregivers those skills before that point. But okay. in our schools, I feel we have a responsibility. And ultimately, a if we don't if we don't address it, we have a responsibility to address it. If we don't, it's going to affect everything from their academics to their lifelong outcomes. So. That's such a, a great point, I think, to wrap up on. And it reminds me quickly of uh, a, a podcast we had a while back on um, suicide prevention. And luckily, you know, suicide is such a low base rate um, thing. But what we discovered by um, talking to people and doing our research for that podcast was that, um, you know, education around um, uh, coping tools and um, recognizing signs and symptoms of depression is the best kind of prevention. And I remember from that um, podcast that we talked about a, a new curriculum, which was called it, which is called DBT Skills in Schools. And I, I believe it was uh, Drs. Mazza and um, some others um, that a husband and wife team, Dr. M-A-Z-Z-A. But it just uh, sounds like a great universal tier one, level one um, coping skills curriculum for kids. So I just wanted to uh, mention that. But I completely agree with you, Kyle. It's really important stuff, giving kids tools um, to prevent what we uh, don't want to have them suffer. Kyle, any plans for a Bug and Boo series or a second book or anything? My dream is for it to become a series that depends on book sales. So if everybody goes out and buys, you know, 10 or 20, that'd be great. <laughs> I've been lucky, fortunate to have a couple um, larger orders. I've had a couple um, head starts in the area, buy them to be able to share with their, their um, multiple classrooms and then parents in those classrooms. Um, I'm also one thing that's good. Um, there's a, I don't know if you guys are familiar with like box programs like um, um, Stitch Fix or um, Loot Crate or those kind of things. It's kind of like a, a themed box each month. That comes. Mm -hmm. I found out recently about a, um, it's called um, Curly's, what is it? Curly's, Curly Clues Club. Um, yeah, Curly, Curly's um, that focuses on child development and they recently purchased some books, some bug and boo books, and will be included in a, um, a social emotional development box. Um, I believe it's going to be in April. So um, Curly's Clue Club, you know, if you want to try that, you'll get a, a, a box full of other things as well as bug and boo. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining, joining us tonight, um, despite all the technical difficulties and whatnot. And thanks to Rebecca, too, for hanging in there, um, actually <laughs> off on vacation and still um, dedicated enough to <laughs> tonight. So we appreciate all of this. <laughs> all right. Night, everybody.
Good night. Thank you for having me.